0: I have the privilege of introducing our speaker for this morning. Uh, He moved into the area in December last year. Before that, he was living for six months in Finley Creek area. And before that, he lived about six or seven years with his family in BC. And uh, before that, he was in Pembroke area, so he's moved around quite a bit. Uh, but it's wonderful, the experience that he has had and what uh, God can do through that experience as well. He studied at uh, Pacific Life Bible College, and he got his Bachelor of Theology there. And, uh, but now he is working as a contractor. He has four kids and uh, married to his beautiful wife, Kate. Just over there, and uh, in his spare time, when he has spare time from four kids, um, he likes to renovate his house, <laughs> and uh, even has some time to play North Gore slow pitch. Please welcome Nathan Ghost. Good morning.
1: So we're, we're Mark six fourteen to twenty nine. If you wanna, you know, take out your pew Bible and find it, or if you, you know, have your cell phone or whatever, it's two thousand eighteen, so that's okay in church. Um, so, I, I have it in the NIV here. I think that's what all the Pew Bibles are, so it should be easy to follow along. I'm going to read it all, because that's how I like to do it. So, uh, verse 14, King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said, he is Elijah. And still others claim he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been risen from the dead. Uh, Verse 17, if you're just getting there. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. And he did this because Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married, for John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him. Knowing him to be a righteous and holy man, when Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled. Yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. Uh, I usually read the NASB, and in the NASB it says a strategic time, which I think is a really good way to say that. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and leading men of Galilee. So everybody who was important was there. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want, and I will give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried to her father, hurried to the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So immediately he sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The men went down, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. So, I mean, that, like, back then that wasn't a big deal, you know, to go execute somebody. But nowadays you're like, what crazy thing just happened? That family needs counseling if your mom just told you to tell your stepfather to behead somebody. Um, I don't know, that's wild. That wouldn't happen nowadays, at least not in North America. Uh, but this this story, if you remember last week, at, at the end of uh, at the end of I guess the first section of chapter six, Jesus sends out the disciples, and then next week, so then like verse thirty, right after this, the disciples come back and they tell Jesus what happened. So this is kind of like a meantime story, and uh, a lot of the the commentators think, oh well, Mark kind of forgot about this story because this isn't when it happened. This is like Herod reflecting on, oh, no, this Jesus guy is here. This must be the risen John. So this this isn't chronological. This is just Mark maybe thought, oh, I didn't tell this story. Maybe I, since I'm sending this story, or sending, sending this gospel to the Romans, maybe I should tell him about Herod, who's kind of the Roman leader in uh, Judah and the surrounding area. So I I, I don't think that, there are mistakes like that in the Bible. I don't think Mark forgot. I think Mark knew what he was doing. Um, because there there's two threads that I think Mark carries through this story that, that were at the beginning of chapter 6 and we'll find at the end of chapter 6. And the first one is unbelief. When, when Jesus goes into Nazareth, and then these people, they don't believe him because, or oh, that's just the carpenter who, who grew up here, like we know that kid. Um, and we have that same, that same unbelief with Herod, right? Herod doesn't really believe in John, otherwise he wouldn't have cut his head off. Uh, The other thread that I think Mark is carrying through here is that of repentance. Because in Mark 6.12, so right before this starts, it says the disciples went out and they're preaching repentance. And then if you read, or if you remember, I guess, back to the beginning of Mark, uh, when we first meet John the Baptist, he's going out and his message is repentance. And so I, I think... This isn't a mistake. Mark did this on purpose, that he slid that in there because it fits and it makes sense with what he was saying. So the first thing that we see here is that Herod assumes that Jesus is John the Baptist risen from the dead. And I'm going to stop calling him John the Baptist just to save time. We're going to call him John. Okay. And the, the only way Herod could assume this is if he had never actually met Jesus, because you know, obviously they didn't look like each other. Um, And there must be some superstition involved there in whatever religion thing that Herod was involved in to think that people can be raised from the dead, because that didn't really happen. So he maybe like, because it says at the beginning, when he heard these things, maybe one of the things that he heard was that story we read, I guess, two, three weeks ago, when Jesus raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. Maybe he heard, oh, someone got raised from the dead and that'll get mixed up, or maybe you heard that Jesus did this, and I guess if you get raised from the dead, you probably have the power to raise people from the dead, right? Um, But we know better than that, right? We know, uh, if you remember Luke 1, if you've been around at Christmas, or maybe a couple weeks after, you probably heard uh, the story at the beginning where uh, an angel shows up to Zacharias and tells him, um, you're going to have this son, and, and that ends up being Jesus' cousin, right? So Mary shows up, and then this baby leaps in uh, Elizabeth's room, so that's John the Baptist, and you know, they're, they're cousins. They're not the same person. Uh, so I think what well, so something I learned in high school, um, which I didn't learn much, it was a hard time for me. Uh, but one thing I learned was this fancy word "foreshadowing." And you know, if you guys went to high school, you probably learned about that in English class. And it's when the author hints at something that's coming in the future. And we see it a lot in movies. Uh, like you know, you might have this terrible storm comes and it's because this villain's gonna show up real soon or something bad's about to happen, right? So they use different things like that to foreshadow coming events. And I think there's a little bit of that going on here. Um, similar to like the Old Testament prophecies that we get about Jesus, I think the other thing Mark might be trying to bring out here is that just how um, John's death in that Herod thinks that now he has miraculous powers through Jesus' death that we get to at the end of Mark, um, we get miraculous powers through the Holy Spirit, uh, which is a whole different sermon, and we're not going to get into that. Uh, So something to note here, though, that's interesting uh, is that Herod... So this, is, this guy's name is Herod Antipas. Um, there's like four different Herods. I'll get into that in a second. So this Herod is the same Herod who Pilate sent Jesus to go uh, get questioned by um, just before the crucifixion. Because Pilate was like, I don't really know what to do with this guy. Maybe it's Herod's problem. And then Herod was like, I don't want anything to do with this. And I think probably a big part of why Herod didn't want anything to do with this, he didn't really want to kill John. And then now he gets this opportunity where there's another prophet who he kind of thought was maybe John. Well, I'm not going to kill this guy again, not my problem pilot, and sends him back. So before we go any farther, we'll get into this. Uh, so there, there's four Herods in the Bible. Um, Her, Herod's not oh it disappeared. Oh, well, sorry, Jane, I'm out. Um, so, if, if you can bring up the map, that'd be cool. So, so there's four Herods in the Bible. The first Herod is Herod the Great, because he's the original. When you're the original, you get to be the great, or the legend, or something. Um, so, I should have named my kids all Nathan, and then I could be Nathan the Great. But I didn't. Sorry. So So, this Herod, the original Herod, like, Herod's more of a family name than than a specific person. Uh, It might even be more like a last name. Uh, So maybe I can be Ghost the Great. That doesn't sound as cool though. Uh, So so this original Herod, Herod the Great, uh, this is the guy who tried to kill Jesus because he heard these prophecies from the wise men when they showed up that uh, this Messiah was coming and he was gonna be the king of kings. And then he's like, no, I'm the king. This guy's gotta go. So then he tries to kill all the babies. So you know he's out of control. And then he also tried to kill two of his own, well, no, he did kill two of his own sons because they wanted to uh, take over his reign. So then he's like, yeah, you guys are out too. So I mean, he's out of control. Uh, But when he eventually died, they divided his kingdom. And you can kind of see the colors there. So yeah, you see the blue. I think I can point with this. The blue here and here. So that's Herod Antipas. That's the guy this story's about. Um, The other thing to note, this Philip. uh, So Herod married his half-brother, Philip's wife. This is not that Philip. This is a different Philip. They had like five names back then, I guess. You know, we've got John the Baptist. We've got John the disciple. I don't know. They weren't good at picking names. Um, So then the other two Herods, which aren't on here, that's just how the kingdom got divided up. The other two Herods are Herod Agrippa 1 and Herod Agrippa 2. So again, they're not good at picking names because you just got 1 and 2. So Herod Herod Agrippa 1 is the grandson of Herod the Great, king of Judea from 41 AD to 44, so not very long. This is the guy who imprisoned St. Peter and put St. James to death. And then this is also uh, Herod Agrippa 2 is the son of Herod Agrippa 1. You know, it's like junior. Uh, So, he's the king of various territories in northern Palestine from 50 to 93. He presided over the trial of St. Paul. So, I mean, none of these guys have a good track record from a Christian standpoint. So, then the next claim that gets made in Mark is, well, maybe Jesus is Elijah. And I think I have a slide for that. Yeah. So, you know, if you go all the way back to Malachi, it's one of the last... Last Bibles in the or books in the Old Testament, and so Malachi says this: "See, I'll we'll send a prophet, send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes." So that day is Jesus showing up, uh, and so if that's Jesus showing up, then the prophet Elijah coming before him can't be Jesus. And then we also see uh, I made the slide. Yep. Yeah. So this is, this is Jesus talking, and he says, And if you are willing to accept it, he, which is John, is the Elijah who was to come. So if John is Elijah, then Jesus can't be Elijah either. So that claim doesn't really work out. And, you know, if we go back to the Luke story, the angel actually says to, to Zacharias that um, the son you're going to have, he's going to come in the power and spirit of Elijah. So Jesus is not Elijah. Uh, so now, now we kind of get into the meat of the story. So John calls out Herod on this sin of marrying his half brother's wife. Um, so like, it's not just one, one bad thing happened. This isn't like like Herod had a wife, and she was a I probably can't pronounce it a beaten, uh princess. So this is like some other kingdom down the road. And so he divorced her so that he could marry his half-brother's wife. So she divorced Philip, like that guy didn't die. Uh, So then this is, you know, kind of a messy two-divorce situation. And then they get together and there's probably bad things going on before that that we won't talk about in church. And so John calls him out on it. And so the way this goes in my mind is probably because this is how this would have gone if I was John. And so I, I think, you know, Herod's going on a, on a walk with his new wife, and they're just strolling along, and then they see this crowd. And, you know, you're, you're out on a walk, and you see a crowd. Okay, well, let's see what's going on. Let's go listen to the crowd. And John's there, and he's telling people, he's talking about repentance. He's baptizing people in, in the Jordan. And Herod's not a Jew. He, he kind of gets some of the things they're talking about, but this isn't his lifestyle. And so he's like, what's this guy talking about? He's a kook. Look at his shirt. Is that made of camel's hair? And then, you know, because John is kind of like Jesus, so he's got this supernatural hearing, so he hears it. And then John's like, oh, yeah, well, God doesn't like your marriage. <laughs> and, then, and then he goes off and he quotes, quotes the law to him, which I'm, I'm not going to do, but if you want to write those down, you can look it up later. Basically, he says uh, you can't marry your brother's wife, and the only time that you can marry your brother's wife, which is in Deuteronomy 25.5, is if he dies early, Uh, so then you can marry his wife to raise up children on his behalf, which kind of sounds like a bad deal, but that's the law, so do it. Uh, So then getting to Herod's, I guess, ex-wife, this princess who doesn't get a name, uh, so I guess this offended her dad, and Herod actually died in a war against, uh, this, this is from the, yeah, he's King Aratas the fourth. So Herod dies in a war with that country because he divorced this princess. But that's, you know, that's not in the Bible. That's just some history. Write it down. So Herodias never got over this. It says in verse 19 that, that she held a grudge um, and that she wanted to kill him. But then in verse 20, it, it kind of implies Herod was like, Yeah, that wasn't a nice thing to say, but John has a lot of good things to say. It's kind of interesting to listen to him. I like listening to John. But then, this strategic day came. And when they word it like that, it makes me think, like, Herodus has been thinking about this. She's been planning, how am I going to get John dead? And so then, you know, now now it's Herod's birthday is coming up. Well, Herod likes to drink. So I'm going to get him a little drunk, and then I'm going to bring my daughter out here, and she's going to do some seductive little Macarena dance, and she's going to woo him, and then he's going to say, hey, I'll give you whatever you want. Because to say I'm going to give you up to half my kingdom, that's more of a saying. He's not literally meaning you're going to have half my kingdom, um, because that wouldn't have flown. But she knows, well, if if all of Herod's you know the people he looks up to, the respected people in our community are there. Then, when he makes this promise, he's not going to go back on it. So we can ask for whatever we want, and I'm going to get Herod, or I'm going to get Herod to kill John, and that's going to be that. So then this all kind of plays out exactly like that. Um, you know, we don't know exactly what she was thinking, but that's how it went. So then if you are an unprincipled person, you will succumb to things like peer pressure. So that's kind of what I want to talk about today, because I got to think like, what kind of people are your friends, if these are the people at your party, and they're gonna be disappointed if you don't murder somebody? I think Herod needs new friends. And At the same time, if your wife is gonna trick you into murdering somebody, you need counseling. So I want to focus on verse 18, which says, so this is NASB, this is not the NIV, so it's a little bit different. It says, For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So, like, why would John say that? What would make him go out, like, Herod's not even a Jew. So at, at this point, like, these, these laws are basically only for the Jews. So why would, why would John go out and say this to to Herod, who's a Gentile, but I think to John, it didn't make a difference. John knew that a time was about to happen where God and Jesus and, and this Christian religion that's come out of it wasn't just for the Jews. It was about to be something bigger, and so John, John had integrity. He had principles, and so he was going to tell the same thing to the ruler of the land that he was going to tell to the poor beggar on the street we're going to define that. fundamental. this is is a principle, a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior. (coughs) So it's a foundation. It's it's the base of something. Uh, Stephen Covey, he wrote Seven Habits of a Highly effective people. You've probably heard of that book. I didn't read it. I found this quote online. But he says principles represent an an object, objective reality that transcends cultures and individuals. Uh, and for an example, it's things like fairness, honesty, integrity. A principle is a natural law like gravity. So principles just kind of like, they don't change. They're just, this is a principle. So something I just wanted to point out really fast. A principle is not the same thing as a value. you might build your principles from values. you might get your values from your principles, but they're not the same thing. A value is the regard that something is held to deserve the importance worth or usefulness of something you know like we put value on money. I think it kind of defines itself so when you have principles and somebody else doesn't have principles we'll, we'll hold this up so you can see so you know, I, I made this little example so that you can remember things. That's something I learned in Bible college. If you make examples, people remember. So I have this little jug of oil. You not see. We'll move, this, we'll move this. Yeah. Okay. So this is, this is just normal water, a little bit of science, right, because we can do science in church. That's okay. Uh, and this is motor oil. It's used, so it's extra dirty, so you can see it better. So if I have something, you know, if we say this is John, this is John's principles, and this is Herod, and we pour them in there. well, oh, that pours kind of slow. It doesn't mix, right? Like there's, there's the oil, there's the water. It's two separate things. I just put my lids on. I don't want to replace the stage. Like I could even shake it up, and you know now it's going to take a minute, but it's going to separate again, right? When, when someone principled like John comes in contact with Herod, who's not principled, they don't mix. And, you know, like me shaking it, this conflict happens. So John had this moral code, or he had principles. Uh, and Herod, as we see, had very different principles. He liked to go have fancy parties with his lawless friends, and having a wife kind of seems more like just this, you know, side candy, this object that you have. It's not a person to be with. It's not this lifelong commitment. Um, John, on the other hand, we see that he has integrity. He doesn't want to quit on this call that he had that God gave him. Like, this is his thing, and this is what he's going to do with his whole life until it ends. So, in January 1945, so this is like World War II time, Um, John, no, Gordon A. Eddy writes this, and halfway through, you're gonna know why I picked this long thing. We are trying to show him not only what we are fighting against, I guess it doesn't quite show up, uh, so I'll read it off here. What we are fighting for, for many of these boys, we only have a very hazy idea of the real issues of the war. About all they see is going back to the good old days. This is a dangerous state. If they don't stand for something, they will fall for anything. They need to realize that we are fighting two wars: the war of arms and the war of ideas. The other war, which the war of arms is phase one. So th- this is the first time that 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 phrase shows up, and you probably heard it before. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. And like that, that's that's principle, right? That. I'm going to stand on my principles, John's saying, I'm going to stand on on the scripture, I'm going to stand on these things that that God's taught me, and I'm not going to fall for things. Whereas Herod's the opposite, he's not standing for anything, he doesn't care about murdering people, so then his wife can trick him into beheading this guy he didn't really want to behead. So if you think about standing on your principles, like in in the definition it talks about as a foundation, and like Wendy said, I renovate houses. I've done everything on a house from building the footing to putting shingles on a roof. So this makes sense to me, that your foundation keeps the house up. If you have a weak foundation, if you have cracks in your foundation, if you don't build your foundation out of the right stuff, it's gonna fall down. So you gotta have good principles so that you don't fall. Uh, So people fight wars to protect their principles. That's what we're talking about here. And I think everybody knows that's what most of the wars that we fight are about. So you got to think, what do you stand for? What does Canada stand for? Uh, and what, is, what does Cornerstone Church stand for? And most of us come here every week, and you, know, you, you should know what the things you're going to participate in are all about. And you can read about you know, what Canada stands for what Cornerstone stands for online, so I'm not going to give you all that information. But what you stand for is kind of up to you. How you're going to choose your principles is going to be up to you. Nobody can do that for you, um, but I would hope that you're going to you know pick pick stuff out of the Bible and use that to build your principles. In Ephesians uh, 522 Paul writes "The fruit of the Spirit, right And everybody knows those, and I wrote them down because I never get all of them at once. So it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gen- goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. So these are building blocks for your principles. Um, you, you can take those things and and build off of that. So you got to think, well, what, what drives you to behave, to make good choices? And what's the foundation that you want to build on? Well, Jesus makes it really simple in Mark 12, 30 and 31. Uh, he says, well, the, the guy comes and he asks him, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, to love your neighbor as yourself and to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So it's pretty simple. I need to love God and I need to love my neighbors. And we know that by Jesus' definition, your neighbor is basically everybody you come in contact with. So this is a good place to start building your principles. And I'm sure, like, you know, you have principles. but Maybe you've never thought about it. I never really thought about it either. So this is a good spot to start thinking about it. Like, you can think, okay, well, do my principles love God? Do my principles love my neighbor? If you're thinking I'm with Herod and I were to beheaded John, your principles don't love God and they don't love your neighbor. So it, it's a good good contrast, and you can think about the fruit of the Spirit. Do you behave in a way that those things are evident? And maybe you can adjust your principles and, you know, build a stronger foundation using those things. So if we take a look at Jesus and John, uh, we can choose to live a life like them. You might not be able to do the miracles that Jesus did. I mean, we don't really see any stories about John doing miracles. Maybe you can be a bit more like John. But it's more about, how did they treat people? We see that John didn't pick favorites. Just because you were royalty didn't mean he was going to talk to you any different, because John had one king, and it wasn't Herod, uh, which, oh, well, we'll get to that later, we we'll get to that later. Uh, so you, you can borrow building blocks from these guys. It, And we see things like, like integrity, you know, being the same person in front of your rich friends as you are in front of your poor friends. Um, so another person you could borrow some stuff from would be someone like Billy Graham. So Billy Graham, he made this principle that I'm not going to spend time alone with a woman that's not my wife. And I don't know if there's some like background thing there that he didn't want to be tempted or he thought he might fall or something, but he said, I'm not going to do it. And he he never had any kind of failings. He didn't have problems because he never put himself in a situation where he might fall. And that's being principled. And, you know, it, if John was in a situation like that, he would have done the same thing. But then we see Herod, who was probably in that situation with Herodotus, and he fell. And then he divorced his wife and married this other woman. And so, you know, if, if you pick something like that, it's going to keep you out of trouble. Uh, there are other times where you might be principled and somebody's going to know it and you don't have to say anything. Uh, I met up with a friend a while ago and she had kind of slipped away from the faith. And so we got chatting and she, she said that she was moving. So you know, I asked, well, where are you moving? And then she kind of, she said, well, oh, I'm moving in with my boyfriend. And she knows that I'm a Christian. She knows I went to Bible school. So she knows, well, I don't really approve of that. So I don't need to you know, yell at her now and condemn her and tell her you know, you're doing it wrong. She knows what I think. So you can just be principled and you don't have to say anything. And maybe if I would have said something, she would have put my head on a platter like Herod. So I left it alone. But, you know, in both those stories, like Billy Graham got a lot of flack for making that decision. He's not the only famous pastor that that's done something like that. And we have other famous pastors that obviously haven't done that and it's gone badly for them. So... It's a, good, it's a good place to start. But I don't think Billy Graham went out defending himself, saying, oh, no, like, sorry that I'm doing this, and sorry that you're friend fa- No, like, this is my principle, and I'm going to stand on it. And I'm not going to screw up my marriage because you don't believe what I believe. So a few weeks ago, I think, Dan kind of mentioned this idea that the early church started calling um, the early believers christians and i, I don't know if he defined it but christian in in greek literally means little christ it's this idea of being jesus imitators so the moment you call yourself a christian you're kind of saying well i i agree with these this set of principles and unfortunately there's a lot of people that call themselves christians and they don't live by those things and that makes the rest of us look bad but but just like this story with my friend. The moment I say I'm a Christian, and and put it out there, I'm I'm aligning myself with these principles, and she knows that, and I don't have to go and condemn her for it. So, like your principles isn't isn't going to be the same necessarily as your theology. This isn't things like, like oh, I believe in the Trinity, that Jesus is God. That's that's theology. This isn't your principles. Although your principles can be that I'm going to have good theology. That's a principle. Um, it's more like having good morals. It's things like helping others in need, being hospitable, integrity like we see in John. It's loving your neighbor, uh, however that may look, uh, and especially when it's inconvenient. And like it's, it's taking a stance on things. It's standing for something so that you don't fall for everything. So going back to the definition, it says a belief governing one's behavior. So your principles can't be fluid like this jug. See, they're separated again. They don't mix. It, it can't be fluid and changing all the time. It, it can be built and, and made stronger, but you can't really change it. Um, like concrete needs to be hard so that if the foundation shifts, then the house is going to fall. So you need to have something firm. So here's some ideas. Everybody has one of these signs, right? Like I don't actually, but. You know, you have these signs of family rules in your house. A lot of people do. If you don't have one, you've seen one at somebody else's house. And it's just, it's some ideas. Like some of these things are principles. Like working hard, that's a principle. That's something I have. Like my mom always said to me, you do your work before you go out and play. Which is, you know, when I was a kid, that was about homework. I didn't have any real work to do. But now I'm a workaholic. And it's just, it's a principle. Which we can work on that. That's about values. So, like, we we can inherit our principles from our family. Like, I grew up in a very traditional church. Uh, my dad uh, he just retired, but he was a Lutheran pastor. So, in a church like that, um, it's a very reverent approach to God, meaning that we we walk softly before God. I don't come into church screaming and you know doing whatever I want because this is God's house. This is a, a sacred place, and and we need to walk. Walk carefully before God because, you know, he's the creator of the universe. I need to have a special attitude when I go talk to the guy that's created the universe and go into his house, right? I don't treat it the same as when I go to my buddy's house and we're going to play hockey in the basement. That's two different things. Although God is your friend. That's, again, a different sermon. So another principle on that that same idea, and, you know, this, this is a commandment. You get your principles right out of the Bible. It's as easy as that. Uh, so one of the commandments is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, which is, you know, growing up in a Lutheran church, this meant we didn't do anything on Sundays. And then, you know, as I got older, I started going to more charismatic churches, and that was kind of different. We, we would do things on Sunday. So then now I'm somewhere in the middle, and I think, okay, well, when God tells me this, what I think he's really saying is, I want you to do something different on Sunday, maybe spend a little more time focusing on God and other things besides the same things I do all week long. So like Wendy said, I, I work on other people's houses. I come home. I like to work on my house, so then on on Sunday I try and do something that's not build my house. So I, you know, you try and spend more time with your family or whatever. That's, that's up to you. But I, I think like Sundays family activity day or something. Um, so I, I don't want this to sound like a legalism thing, which I think I started heading that way. Uh, so. Th- like the Bible says, if we love God, we will do his commandments, right? So this isn't a, he doesn't say, do my commandments because you love me. He's saying, if you love God, so if you focus on, on what Jesus was saying, you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then these other things are going to follow. That, you know, as I as I love God more, I want to keep the Sabbath holy. It's not, I'm going to try and keep the Sabbath holy and hope it works out. It's I love God, so he says to do this, I'm going to try and do it. So your principles can help you value different things. So if I list off a few more, just to give you an idea, and you know, you guys grew up in church too, so you probably have a lot of these same things. I have this principle, I don't swear. Again, that's a commandment. It's really easy to get that one. I try and share my stuff and be generous uh, with what I have. I treat women with respect, not as objects. And that's that's all in the Bible. That's easy easy principle building blocks. So I got this sign on my wall. Uh actually my wife made it for me for can you guys see that? I'll oh, hold that. Uh for um my birthday or Christmas or something one year? I don't remember. But anyway, so we were watching this movie. I think it was The Last Kingdom. Uh I don't remember who's in it. Uh Liam Neeson's in it, so you know it's good. So anyways, they have like this, they're they're knights and it's medieval if you haven't seen it and they have this like, this code, this knight's code and I thought it was really cool and then I found this in the Bible in 1 Peter 2.17, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So, I'll put that down. Like those are principles that I'm gonna, I'm gonna honor everybody. I'm gonna love the brotherhood. The brotherhood is other Christians. You know, everybody used to Call each other. Oh, you're my you're my brother. You're my sister. We're adopted in the family of God, kind of thing. So that's what that's talking about. Fear God. I mean, that that's that's the walking softly. That's the, you know, God is the king of the universe. He's also your father. So it's a tricky relationship like that. And honor the king. So this isn't King Jesus. This is, you know, the the governor of your land. In our case, it's Justin Trudeau, and you can honor him however you want. Uh, it's hard sometimes. So I'm going to leave you with this. We're just going to forget about that. So why would Herod confuse Jesus with the risen John the Baptist? Like we really went through all that stuff, how they can't be the same person. So the only way that you could make the confusion is if they're behaving the same way. They probably had the same principles. And so when, when you hear a story about one and then you hear a story about the other one, how they treated people, you think, this could be the same person. They behave very similarly. So I can see how that that could be, how you might have confused the two. And, And they both had this idea that I'm gonna stand on these principles even if it costs me my life. And it cost both of them their lives, as we know. So over the next week or so, I want you to think about, and more importantly, pray about, what are your principles and do they line up with scripture? And the important part is pray about it. Because if you just think about it, nothing's gonna happen. If you pray about it and say, God, like what are my principles? What do I stand on? And do those things look like what's in scripture? Then God can help you see those things. He'll help shine a light and say, of this area you might need to do a little work. This you're doing really good. And you know, if you have a spouse or some friends or something, you wanna talk to somebody about it and say like, what kind of things do you see in my life that you think might be principles that I'm standing on? Maybe I should change, maybe. I'm doing really good. You don't want to just have the bad things because then you won't be friends anymore. So talk about the good things too.